Welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. This is Colin. Hey. And we also have a very special guest. This is our first special Josh. guest ever. Well, he's actually the specialist guest. His name's Josh. Yeah. There Josh, you go. Josh can you hear us? I'm here. I'm ready to rock and roll. All right, guys. We're going to talk about everything indie wrestling. We're going to talk a little bit about some WWE because obviously we have to. Colin, where did you go? I'm here. Oh, today? No, I went to uh, pick up my son, uh, like I do a lot of days, and uh, yeah, I have to drive an hour out of town to Tulsa, actually, to go get him, and um, uh, I picked him up, I took him to his Taekwondo class, and he's a white belt, and he's doing really great after maybe only 10 lessons, but then I'm, I'm working with him, too, when I pick him up, trying to get him to stretch, trying to get him to do that perfect push-up and sit-up, not do it like a nine-year-old. Uh, stuff like that, yeah. What about you, Josh? Uh, before we actually let you talk, even though I would never stop you from doing anything, <laughs> you guys got to know that Colin and I have been best friends since, what, 2010? But I've known Josh since 2004, and we started a club called the Josh Rules because we realized <laughs> that we were equally hardcore if we were to be two uh, actual space asteroids. If we actually collided, it would create a, an entire whole new universe with beautiful blonde women and mm. huge Adonis men. But we were busy, so we actually waited a few tables and talked about wrestling a lot and uh, got in a lot of trouble and got out of it. Uh, I trust this guy with my life just like I do with you. Um, mm-hmm. J- Josh. What's going Dude, on, man? Got to tell everyone the best story about you and I from our waiting table days, and that was <laughs> how much trouble we got in. That at one point corporate came to audit our restaurant. <laughs> had so many write-ups that they had to technically fire us and rehire us just so we were allowed to keep waiting tables. <laughs> it was like four write-ups. And I think we each had like eight write-ups, and they made us. Remember, they made us come in and lacquer the tables in the morning just for being assholes. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> that, that that was awesome. But we were up anyway. Was that that time we were up anyway watching like FIFA? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, we've got a lot to talk about today, guys. Uh, we want to make sure we're not just a regular run-of-the-mill wrestling podcast. We're obviously we're covering comic books, but. The best things in life are the special things, and that is the indie wrestling scene at the moment. Now, we've got a lot of things to cover, and I'm kind of confused about what to actually cover first. So I'm actually just going to go off of what was dated first. was uh, a week and a half ago, I lost my mind at work because I'd been actually took PTO while I was at work to log in to access tickets 
to buy my Double or Nothing tickets, and I was allowed access at four minutes to buy my tickets. And it was exactly at four minutes that they sold out. And it was exactly at four minutes I almost destroyed everything at my desk, including my $1,200 MacBook. Oh, my God. However, I immediately calmed down because I was proud. I was proud of the fact that something that I believe in, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, Mm -hmm. sold out in four minutes. And I felt like... I had sold something out in four minutes, even though I didn't get the tickets. Obviously, we're going to watch it on TV and we're going to do podcasts about it. But we've been supporting indie wrestling for so long, Bullet Club, New Japan. When all when all in sold out in 30 minutes, I felt like I helped them sell out because I told everyone about Bullet Club, New Japan. Uh, Josh, Colin, you guys have been incessantly hearing me about that and. I'm I'm really excited for them, and they got they got Kenny Omega. We watched the uh, oh, the yeah. live uh, mm-hmm. live stream when they announced uh, they they announced a couple of new people. They didn't have everyone there because um, a couple of people were sick, but they do have uh, two LGBT LGBTQ or whatever you want to call it wrestlers, and I think that's awesome. They got a little bit of heat from that, but they're going to overcome. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's just uh, the culture's changing and wrestling. I don't want to say it's lagged behind, but in some ways it has. Some things are appropriate in wrestling that are not appropriate in other places in society. And so I'm glad that AEW is out because as much as WWE's tried to act like they're on the forefront, we all know that you know Vince McMahon's wife is in Donald Trump's cabinet. And, they're all in wow, this cabinet. Yeah, they're so all. That, there's, there's some political views there that, uh, as much as WWE tries to promote, you know that someone like AEW can come in and get a little bit more credibility and hopefully draw in some new fans. I that's totally that's agree. a good, that's a, an amazing point. Uh, if you're looking at anything that they posted, uh, Sunny Kiss, uh, he definitely is on the other side. However, uh, Josh, Josh, do remember uh, Colin? Colin is like the where I'm new to next generation. He's new to wrestling, but he's not ignorant. However, Josh and I both remember what it was like when Goldust first appeared, and they had him very, very. What's, what, what would you even say? I wouldn't even say oh, queer. You you uh, always said it. I always asked about the guy because I didn't know who he was, which was, um, you know, I mean, that's probably amazing to a lot of people. But I didn't know who he was. And I was like, who is this guy that came out in that really, like, over-the-top gold, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm asking you about it. And you were like, oh, that guy used to come out, and he was fruity. <laughs> that was the word, <laughs> fruity. And it, it works. And I don't see how that's – I don't see that being derogatory at all, uh, especially since, you know, he's straight, but he's playing a character. Josh, can I do it? Can I, I do it? it. <sighs> Goldust. <laughs> yeah, I love the guy. I love that guy. I love the character. I loved seeing him in WrestleMania at the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial match. Um, and, oh, I mean, Finn Balor at WrestleMania coming out with that new shirt, the rainbow shirt, Finn Balor, Balor Club for everyone with those kids dancing on stage in the same shirt. That, 
really got that. That's like it got to me emotionally. I was very completely excited about sold that. out. Complete yeah. the website's been sold out on that for about a year and a half. Also, they're impossible to find at Hot Topic, and mm-hmm. also they actually put the boot on that as a gimmick. But the fact that they let an obviously in I don't know why no one's ever said it before, but Finn Balor is obviously gay. Like, why don't you just say it out loud? Like, you should have said it when you were in Bullet Club. You would have gotten so much more over if you were an openly gay founder of Bullet Club as a badass. Josh, what do you think? I, I agree. I think that when he did that in WWE, it and it was embraced like it was, I kind of think it was eye-opening in a lot of ways for WWE because I don't think that that was a market that they believed they could ever tap into. <laughs> right. And, so, like I said, there's a little little bit of credibility issues with some of the stated political beliefs of the higher-ups in WWE, which is why I think AEW is in the best position to capture that market, and I hope they do. We have so much to talk about with AEW, but we're going to capture that in just a little bit. Uh, we've got a few things to touch on before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's uh, Minefields Wrestling Podcast. Uh, guys, uh, what did you feel when you found out that the Degeneration X was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. However, it wasn't really Degeneration X. It was their political way to induct China without oh, really inducting China. I cried. I, I cried. I I had honestly, it had been a long time since I thought about her at all. Obviously, she was a big deal in the '90s and in the what in the early 2000s also. Uh, you couldn't really... Early 2000. Yeah, you couldn't... She she was... She transcended just wrestling because she was such an interesting person. And uh, she came to mind, like, I don't know, two days before I saw that uh, that bit on Raw this week. And I was just like... Or was it SmackDown? I can't recall now. Um, it, uh, and it just... I couldn't believe it. It just came out of nowhere to me. Josh, yeah, I gotta say, Josh, you, was, need, you need to you need to put the cherry on top of this of this ice cream cone. Uh, you need to let us know about you and your brother. I'm sorry, you and your sister and your dad, and let us know. Like, yeah, give us I, the, was, I was I was elated, like truly elated. And uh, my dad, my sister, and I wrestling was a big part of us growing up. Like, it was just the one thing we did together, like as a family. My sister was in you know dance. I was in other sports. Mom and dad did things, but like we sat down on the couch every Monday night and then whatever night SmackDown was on because it kept moving around, but we always sat down to watch it and we loved Stone Cold. We loved The Rock, but for us, China was absolutely right up there with them. And her feud with Jericho, legendary. Her feud with Jeff Jarrett, also oh. legendary. Oh. <laughs> I oh. mean, some stuff that they couldn't get away with today, but we ate it up. And so <laughs> whenever all the stuff with China went down, and I know that there were some things that she did that were regrettable, uh, right. but I thought it, it was incredibly hypocritical when Triple H was on Stone Cold's podcast. I think it was in 2015. It was 2015. And, you're absolutely correct. It was in November. Yeah, I remember listening to it and hearing him say that he didn't want kids to Google her name and come across some things. Well... You have to keep in mind that there are some people in the WWE Hall of Fame 
that if you Google their names, you're going to come up with nothing less obscene than what you would find with China. That's for I, right. damn sure. Mike, yeah. Tyson, Mike Tyson's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, a convicted rapist. You, you look up <laughs> exactly. you, you, you look up Demi Superfly Snuka, uh, Tamina's dad. Uh, he murdered a chick in a hotel room. Great and up. Yeah, and yeah, okay, so she did some pornography. Big deal. Uh, we've well, all seen it. Who else did that? Uh, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, and he hasn't been banned from coming to WWE. He's been back multiple times since that sex tape came out. Wasn't uh, Trish Stratus and Playboy? Which one was it? It was one of the blondes. It was no. Well, it's not even. Am Sable I thinking of Sunny? No, it was Sable for sure. Gross. Well, go uh, back and look at uh, um, who was. Oh man, I'm sorry, guys. The names. There's so many characters. Uh, the gal that was with um, the Hardy bro, the Hardy Boys. Yeah, you know? Lita, Lita. Lita. Didn't they Lita, treat think... her horribly live and like the, all of the name calling and they're like selling her uh, costume off and stuff like that? I mean, they do it to themselves in as much yeah. as anybody would do it away from the ring or away from an event. Okay, I, I understand that, but first off, if you mention the, the name Lita, you got to be real careful because it's going to piss me off if you say the wrong thing. <laughs> All right, are we talking about the wrong and, girl? And uh, second off, yeah, they did treat her bad. They did that. Uh, her, her and Edge did that mm-hmm. R-rated sex scene in the middle of the ring. We actually had a nip slip. I mean, Sunny for. I mean, Sunny on on all levels. That girl, that woman is disgusting. That woman is literally right now in a trailer park, probably drinking some Kentucky Deluxe. Drinking some Paul Malls and watching old videos of herself, but we're, we're we're deviating from the actual point. the 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 truth of the matter is is that Joni needed that respect. It sucks that they had to induct, uh, you know, Degeneration X just to get her in because they couldn't just put her in on her own. But mm. that's everyone knows the big deal was that it was China. Joni is in. Her mother and her father are elated. They are actually. Or have tickets already to make sure they're there at the Hall of Fame, and you know that it's going to be Xbox that's going to be announcing her in. It has to be. It, it it literally has to be. And her history was befuddled and muddled and destroyed by the fact that her ex boyfriend left her for a billionaire's daughter that runs the company. And then okay, so your ex boyfriend is dating the billionaire's daughter. What do you think is going to happen to you? They're going to flush you down the toilet as fast as they can. I mean, this isn't even high school stuff, man. <laughs> I got to make one small disagreement. I don't know that it's going to be Xbox that inducts her. I think WWE is tone deaf enough, and Triple H is enough of a spotlight hog that he may do it himself. Oh wow! That would be that would that would be honorable. And I, Josh, I mean, that is an amazing point because if that happened, it would be way better than, than Xbox and then Sean doing it. But if Triple H ate that crow and did it himself, but would it, would it be as meaningful if Triple H did it? Or would I would it be better? Only if it started with a public apology. To me, that's the only way Triple H can do it and I'll be okay with it is if he has a public apology and admits that he and WWE made some mistakes in the way they treated her over the years, and they hope it's a step towards remedying that, and she's obviously very deserving, and then you can go on with whatever else he wants to say. But it has to start with that apology. You're absolutely correct. 
Colin, what do you think? Man, I don't know that the, I don't know that he'll do it. Uh, I don't. I, I'm. Sh- I, I can see it going both directions, but I'm wondering, you know, why? Why would he put himself out there like that? But you know, I mean, I don't see. I don't see like dropping China. I, I like I like what you're saying about you know yeah he's marrying into the business. Was he doing that or was it because he was such a celebrity that Vince basically came to him and said, "Hey man, if you're gonna you know if you're gonna stay in that, let's let's build this thing." Is it a real marriage or is it a royal marriage? You know? No, it's a, it's it's both. Like uh, what sucks is we've seen both both points. Josh, you remember watching uh, Triple H marry her in uh, the drive-through in Vegas, right? Right. Uh, but staying up as late as we ever got to stay up because wrestling lasted till like ten thirty our time that night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, the 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 point of the matter is is that Joni. And I love even just saying her name. It makes me feel good to say her real name. Mm -hmm. Uh, She grew up feeling outcast because she was always the biggest uh, girl in her class. You you remember there was always, back in fifth grade, there was always a kid that was like three feet taller than everyone. And it was a dude, but it was Joni. And she had image problems. She had sexual abuse problems. She had everything that you would imagine would weigh a regular human being down. And then she found her response and her reaction in the gym and she worked her ass off and she was a beautiful woman, uh, in the bodybuilding circuit. And she was wonderful with Chris Jericho, Y2J, our hero. And, and she's gone and it sucks just like the way Eddie died. you know, just, you know, too many pills, you know, too many reactions to, Whatever it is that's in their body to at least make them just feel okay, which you can you can write it off as like, yeah, they took too many pills. Eddie died alone in a hotel, which if you say that to me in my face, I will knock your block off. But the same thing happened to China. You don't know the problems these guys go through. You don't know the pain, the physical and mental things that they go through. But uh, that that's what we have to say about uh, China, Miss Joni. Um, Josh, uh, I, I want to talk about – one more oh, thing please do. Before we move please on. Do. So, to me, if you, when you look at someone like China, you almost have to look at her through the lens of other sports. And when you're looking at other sports, they always compare the great ones and they say that how would they do in today's era? You know, you talk about Wilt Chamberlain in basketball. Well, he was a seven foot monster that could, you know, run the 100 meter dash at the University of Kansas and compete. And, uh, he was playing in the 60s and 70s, and so he just totally dominated everyone. But you put him in the modern era, obviously he still would have been great. You know, Jim yeah. Brown, football, there's a lot of those people. And I think there's no one in wrestling that that is more applicable to than Joni. Because if you put her in the women's revolution, the respect she would have is absolutely off the charts. It's even that is, that that is she an amazing would be point. just in a, whole, in a whole category all by herself. If she was she big, could she was strong and she could move. She could destroy Tamina and Nia Jax or Nia oh, Jax or, or whatever you want to call her in yeah. a handicap match all by herself. Uh, that would have been amazing. She could have literally picked both those girls up, choke slammed them both the way that Undertaker and Kane does it with each hand and just walked away, just dusting her hands off, man, like that. That is an amazing point, Josh. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. She was so dominant at the time that they took her out of the women's division because it was 
unbelievable that any woman could defeat her. So they, they didn't want to give her the belt just because how could anyone take it from her? And that's right. what it was. If she was going today and had credible opponents, I think her legend would be that much greater. Is there anybody who holds a candle to her at all? Is there anybody, any of the ladies, and, the lady wrestlers? No. Does Char- could Charlotte do it? Could Asuka do it? I mean, is anybody no. believable? No. No, I, I don't think Charlotte or even Asuka, even in a handicap match, could have even even done any damage to China. Like, you, you her matches were just fierce. Like, they, they made me feel like, I need to find a woman like that. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I, I, look, someone like Charlotte, she's big enough to be believable and to be a credible opponent. And if you go right. to other promotions like Awesome Kong, you know, people like that mm-hmm. would be credible opponents for. But it would still be hard to find credible female opponents for. But I think the level's so much higher that her dominance would be seen as a lot more impressive than it would have been back in the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Now, uh, Obviously, we've given Joni everything we can because we only have a little bit of space of, of time tonight. But I want to talk about Elimination Chamber. Uh, I First and foremost, Josh, you've got some things to say about the uh, Women's Tag Team Championship match. What do you got? Yeah, I do. First of all, I actually think it was a pretty good pay-per-view. And you and I, and probably Colin as well, we've been fairly down in WWE. Like, there's some that I just could barely get through. <laughs> right. Rumble was good, and Elimination Chamber was good, so I'm glad they started 2019 out strong. But the one thing I did want to mention specifically about the women's tag belt is I'm glad they added it. I know there was some controversy about that, but I'm glad they added it. And the thing I like the most about it is that they didn't force a belt onto each show. And I think WWE should do more with traveling belts. Um, the rosters are fairly thin on each show right now. And so, plus WWE is so poor coming up with storylines that don't involve a belt, that if you were able to have a traveling belt, like the U.S. title, Intercontinental title, Mm -hmm. it's going to open up a lot more room for guys and girls that kind of get out of the mix. You know, if you lose a championship match, you probably are going to go away for about three months before they give you something else to do, something else meaningful to do. And I think if they had more traveling belts that they could do better at that. And so I hope the women's belt, which is said is going to be a traveling belt, like uh, Bailey and Sasha, who I love, could face challengers from either show. I don't know how they're going to arrange it, but they could face challengers from either show. And I hope that that sets a precedent and WWE sees that that's a successful formula and maybe makes the belts a little more flexible in terms of moving from show to show in the future. Prescient. Well, it's it's not just prescient. He's got me frozen in time thinking about everything what he just said. That sort of thinking is forward and actually the type of thing that they, the writers in WB and the heads and whatever, the people that make the decisions need to really understand that you have to make this absolutely important and not just make it some throwaway belt like, oh, we're, we're pro-women. Okay, that's great. You're pro-women, but... I don't think you are. I think this is a gimmick, and they're playing into something that's actually not something that really supports women, considering the fact that some of the matches we've seen are absolutely poor. 
And Josh's points absolutely accentuate the fact that you have to push these women as real wrestlers and real people. And you you don't even have to say women's wrestlers anymore. That that actually offends That's me. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it, they're, whether you're a girl or a boy or a man or a woman or whatever you want to call yourself, you're still a wrestler. And if you're a good wrestler, we don't care. But that's, I mean, I, a lot of the ladies wrestling is so much more believable than what we're seeing out of some of the guys. I mean, you know, John Cena might be able to get out there and wrestle and Seth Rollins can, you know, beat people up real well, but they're kind of crap actors sometimes. They can deliver their promos, but they're out there with those, like, shocked expressions and stuff. It just doesn't make, it just, uh, this and, like, reaching for their tag team partner, that whole business, you know, and I know that's the formula. Like, the ladies sell it. It looks right. It looks real. It's fluid. It's just you so know there's a big difference there. But, like, you're, you know you're saying not this. A cr- hmm. We're saying what? You're saying Sorry. this, and I'm wondering... Which of the ladies are real wrestlers and which of them are something else? We know Nia is not a real wrestler. I don't no, think, I mean, a- uh, Alexa Bliss, I mean, she's got, she comes from other schools of athleticism. But right? I don't know. I mean, she can wrestle. I've seen her wrestle. But is she a wrestler or is she a performer? Is she entertainment or is she wrestling? And there's, there's a, a lot question. of people like that. What's Bailey? Sasha, are they are they wrestlers? We they're, see them do the they're, work. They're wrestlers, but but I see yeah, your point. I, I see your point, and I would like to counter that with: Was the Ultimate Warrior really a wrestler? Oh man, he does he 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 does what Nia Jax. Well, he did what Nia Jax does. He runs in as fast as he can. He clotheslines him three or four times, picks him up, body slams him, or just steps on him. The Ultimate Warrior, I can't think of one time in my life where I actually saw the guy literally wrestle. Josh, what do you got? He, he had a couple matches with Hogan in the mid-90s that went more than, you know, his typical two-minute match. But, right. But you're, you're right, and, and he didn't look very good doing it. And that same thing kind of happened with Goldberg. When he was so big in WCW, mm, he, he would just you know jackhammer and spear someone and win. And when he started actually having to have real matches with people, first of all, his mystique kind of disappeared, which is going to happen, and, and it's, that's understandable. It has to at a certain point, but his his ability to hold an actual you know even ten minute wrestling match was so poor that right. Goldberg just fell so far down the pecking order of what real wrestling fans thought a superstar was. Um, I, I see a lot of the same thing in WWE right now. They just they don't, they don't carry long matches, and the few that can, they don't get the opportunity. One thing I would like to mention, and I'm sure some of the listeners have probably seen this before, but if you Google like the seven steps to a WWE match, it will ruin your experience of watching oh. Man, yeah. <laughs> I, I, tr- I tried to delete that out of my head. I, you posted that a while back, I think, and it, yeah. it just upset the living crap out of me. Every match, you watch it, every match, those seven things happen. It's like they're marks that they have to hit. You know who is a real, you know who is a real wrestler? Becky Lynch. Yes. Becky Lynch <laughs> is, is such a real wrestler Amazing. that... I, 
like I, I never saw it coming, man. Out of the out of the four horsewomen uh, from NXT, that that tiny little scrapper that was all steampunky and had the goggles, I never saw it coming. And I am absolutely enthralled by the fact that they are pushing her as the new Stone Cold because you cannot, if Stone Cold tried to be Stone Cold now, he couldn't do it. Stomping mud holes, flipping the bird, drinking beer. But yeah. Becky is doing it in her violence, and they're doing everything they can to showcase how good of a wrestler she is. And what they're doing with her right now, you know, they suspend her. Obviously, it's going to be a three-way match. They announced that Meltzer said that like two months ago, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, whatever. As long as it's a good match, um, we have to take what we get from WWE. But they're pushing her as the new Stone Cold, but not because they're trying to make her the new Stone Cold. She is the new Stone Cold. I like, also like that Becky kind of forced her way up the card. And oh, yeah. That's one thing that we just haven't seen a whole lot of in WWE. There used to be this big sense. And you, you read Jericho's book or Mick Foley's book, and they all talk about it. They give you a chance, and it's basically sink or swim. And if you sink, a couple months later, they give you another chance. And if you sink enough times, eventually you get fired. And right. WWE has kind of gotten the business, really post-Attitude Era, they've gotten the business of picking their winners and losers. And Becky is not someone they picked as a winner, but she has such a genuine connection with the crowd that she right. made whatever terrible gimmick they gave her work, and she positioned herself at the top. So I like that, and I hope it's a sign of things to come. I agree, and I think that woman can hold her own against anyone. Uh, Josh, you called it, man, when she walked, it well, hobbled into Elimination <laughs> Chamber, and you just said, oh, God, old-school crutch match, and I'm like, I, 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 I was just frozen just thinking that it was awesome that this was happening, and then when she handed that crutch to Rhonda, and you're like, nope, 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 don't trust it. Just like Stone Cold. <laughs> Just like Stone Cold. Like, if, if Stone Cold handed you a beer and he's smiling at you, uh, and you're in the ring, um, you should have ran away ten minutes ago. Because <laughs> it's your ass. When that glass breaks, it's your ass. And there was no – Becky didn't even need a glass breaking. She comes out, hobbles in. Beats Charlotte up for like a solid two minutes and hands Ronda that crutch. And you're like, nope, nope, don't trust it. And Ronda's like, okay. And I love that look in her face. And she's like, okay, I'll, I'll allow this, watching you destroy Charlotte. And then second she turned her back, man. It was great. It was it was awesome. And uh, they, they did the comparison on Still Real, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, when they showed her getting escorted out. And she had her hands behind her back, but she didn't even – she wasn't even in cuffs. Yeah, they did yeah. zip ties. What what the hell is that all about? That was silly. It, it it doesn't matter. Like she was she was showing off. Yeah, she was showing off, and I I can't wait for more success from her. Like I I hope AEW really does a good job with what they're doing in terms of crossing the boundaries from intergender matches to where you don't even notice that it's an intergender man- match, like the way they did it in Lucha. Remember when, Josh, remember when I made you watch that Lucha Underground match when Sexy Star and I think it was Mary Posa did that yeah. titty slapping, titty slapping contest? They were just doing the chops <laughs> yeah. on the tits. And like it, yeah. it, it almost made me want to throw up because like it's there's never been a match where two guys just kicked each other in the dick the entire time. And <laughs> I don't know. That, AJ, that, they got pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. The, the AJ Shinsuke thing was pretty close, but oh, even was, then, that was, that was five or six. But 
but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping they, they do a good job. But uh, we actually have to move on uh, from this subject, guys. Um, uh, I do want to bring up just real quick what the uh, not the last episode of Ring of Honor, but the one beforehand. It was actually they did like a little bit of a, a throwaway match beforehand. They had this uh, re- retarded looking guy that he did what he had to do. The crowd for Ring of Honor is a a little bit specialized. They're ready and used to a lot of high flying. I can't believe yeah. this is happening sort of gimmicks, but the, the best about it was they actually had uh, PJ black and uh, Nick Aldis, who is the NWA world heavyweight champion right now. And uh, for all the people that are listening right now, obviously you're waiting for me to say the name Billy Corgan that owns the company right now, mm-hmm. but that's fine. However, the match wasn't this, six-star, high-flying, ricochet, osprey thing. It was, if it was 1982, it would have been a five-star match. It was a technical pinnacle of experience. These guys really worked the limb. I mean, they, 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 they found weak spots in each other. They made the crowd that was used to all of the, you know, flips, high-flying, all this crazy stuff, realize what a real wrestling match is when someone's hurt and you saw their their knees hurt, you're going to break that knee as much as you can and work that sort of thing the way Rowdy Rowdy Popper used to do. And it was a good, like, 35 minutes, and, you know, all this, you know, still pulled it off. But it was a nice example that Ring of Honor is actually trying to do something a little bit different. And uh, that brings up my next point, guys. Um, New Japan is hurting right now, man. They are hurting. They're hurting. And it's – I don't know how how they're going to do it because, guys, obviously uh, you know what's going on with the elite. You know, the elite used to be be Bullet Club. The elite became the elite, and they left. And before they announced they left, they were – they you know, New Japan completely, they – announced that they were the elite and no longer Bullet Club. Mm -hmm. And Bullet Club was the biggest brand that New Japan had. And it's been going for so many years. Josh, remember uh, a couple years ago, it was, what, three years ago when AJ left? And at the same time, AJ left and uh, Gallows and Anderson left and Shinsuke Nakamura left. And they're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen for Bullet Club? And... They actually did it in an honorable fashion. When AJ left, he get, he literally got gang stomped out of the Bullet Club, uh, led by Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. the new up and coming guy. The way that uh, Finn Balor, who was Prince Devon at the time, actually who founded Bullet Club, got beat out of the Bullet Club, led by an attack by AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson. So they really had that that gang mentality, and when the elite left it left a gaping hole the last uh the last pay-per-view for new japan it wasn't the same it wasn't japanese strong style you could tell there was something wrong you can tell that these guys don't know what to do they can tell that there's there's a big question mark in all their heads even in the match between um tanahashi and switchblade who won the the new you know iwt IWGP championship belt, which really hurt my feelings because I think that Gato really had it in his pocket that Switchblade was Jay Switchblade was the next up and coming guy, but he was he only joined the Bullet Club after the Elite left, and even then you put the belt on him like okay you're putting the belt on him because he deserves it or you putting the belt on him because he's the last actual marketable person within the Bullet Club. 
And even then, like, I don't, I didn't believe even his face, Switchblade's face, when he won it. Josh, what do you think, man? Yeah, so that was, I think that they have seen something in Switchblade for a long time. You kind of go back, and hindsight's twenty twenty. But you go back, and I was looking at his history of who he'd wrestled and how he'd done against him. I didn't remember this, but they actually gave him a win against Kenny Omega. Like, yeah, he he won ago. the uh, yeah he won the uh, U.S. U.S. belt. It was like they like he was their ace in their pocket. Like at least if anything happens with these guys, that we still have a switchblade. But it's not working. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I think that you know switchblade is not very old. And he's not as seasoned of a wrestler, but he's good. He's good. It's just, uh, I almost feel like this, I guess this could be our Is This Racist segment, but I almost feel like they just wanted to put their kind of last super talented white guy and just put him in charge when, to me, it probably would have made more sense if Tom and Tonga just came out and he was like, well, I'm in charge now. Right, right. That 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 does make more sense. I, I feel like they're on the ropes. They don't know what to do because they've always had a backup plan with the Bullet Club that was carrying them for the past, like, what, four or five years. And yeah. they, they put Switchblade over on everyone. He He's beat Cody. He's beat, uh, uh, just like you said, Omega. Uh, and, okay, so he's your backup, but... Like my my point is is uh, I I went to hottopic.com the other day and realized that all of the Bullet Club stuff is being liquidated, yeah. and the Bullet wow. Club stuff was actually their their top sellers. Like I could I remember calling like Hey, you guys got this shirt when I when I heard a rumor that they had Bullet Club stuff two and a half years ago, and like they're like Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, I went there and they had everything, but now they're they're liquidating everything because the elite's gone, but the elite still has their shirts and those shirts are taken over. And uh, my next point that I want to talk about, guys, and I'm sorry that I'm dominating this little bit of a segue, is that uh, we read the other day on Ringside News that Vinny Mac is kind of shitting his pants right now and thinking that he doesn't have the right superstars to carry the WWE brand and brought four guys prematurely from – NXT that have no business on the main roster right now, not because they don't belong there, but because they are doing so much better on NXT and they're going to get buried the way better talent that are better than them, for lack of a better word, like AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Gallows and Anderson. Like, when was the last time you really saw them getting pushed? Finn Balor lost his push when he accidentally got hurt for the Universal Championship uh, three and a half years ago with Seth Rollins, and they are still punishing him. And you're bringing Aleister Black, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, uh, Johnny Gorgano, and Ricochet to try to take over and make things more exciting because you're scared of something that literally doesn't even exist yet. And that, like, you're scared of AEW. They're kicking backs. Like, I guarantee you right now, Cody is smoking a cigar, hanging on his deliciously beautiful wife, drinking some good age scotch, and the young bucks are with their wives, laughing their asses off, watching people scramble for something that hasn't even happened yet. Especially for the fact that WB hasn't sold out Madison Square Garden in like 15 years. Uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan did that uh, a year ago before the like that for a show that's going to happen in a couple of months before WrestleMania. They sell uh, that because they thought that oh, yeah, Kenny Super was going to be there. He's not going to be there. No, not not SuperCard. Not so Supercard. not last year. And, yeah, and then and then all all in sells out in thirty minutes, and 
Double or Nothing sells out in two, and they are scrambling in there. And Josh, remember we've talked about this before, uh, calling us two. What do desperate men do? They make mistakes. Yeah. Right. What do you guys think? Did did WrestleMania sell out last year versus the venue that we went to see Supercard? Supercard was full up, right? Supercard was full up, but I I don't believe – Actually, I can't tell you for sure if Supercard was full up, but it was definitely packed. Yeah. But I can't, I can't remember that there was ever a time in the last 10 years that WrestleMania sold out. Josh, have you heard anything like that? Well, so it does sell out, but it's it's a little bit of a fabrication of numbers. It's yeah. like, you know, when you go to a, a big college football game, if it's mm-hmm. whoever the big team is against the little team, it's always sold out, quote unquote, but there's still empty seats. And mm-hmm. we were at WrestleMania all, right. all three we could look around and see that there were empty seats, even though it was announced as a sellout. So while they may be making the money, the passion's not there. I guess that's the thing. You can go to any professional basketball game or even watch it on TV and see empty seats all the time. But you also know that in a sporting event like that, there are all kinds of businesses, corporations that have season tickets and they're sometimes trying to give those tickets away to their employees, their, their employees' spouses, their family members. Sometimes someone will come in and be like, yeah, we're going to have this uh, uh, out of ta- a bunch of out-of-towners, and we're going to treat them. We're going to go to a game, you know, and they're gonna, we're going to talk about business the next day, or we're going to do this as an evening thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the cra- you never see the same people in the lower stands in those um, not sports entertainment venues. But when you're talking about mm-hmm. this, who's not going to make it to WrestleMania? If they're not selling out the tickets, who's not going to make it to this one thing per year? But then you think about it, it's like the travel expenses, the staying expenses. Did you go out to Bourbon Street and get too hammered and you couldn't make it to most of WrestleMania? There's just no telling. I'm done with that. Right. Right. Um, I was just looking a little bit to see, and they actually had a lot of discussion last year uh, before WrestleMania because they didn't sell out. You know, they opened it up, and they didn't sell out their tickets the day they opened it up. So this person was saying that 70 days out from WrestleMania, there were still quite a few seats available. Mm-hmm. So I think that shows you where people were at. And eventually, like, did sell out, but but who knows if it might have been WWE corporate sponsor or hell even Vince McMahon himself just went and bought ten thousand tickets to make sure it was considered to be a sellout. But I mean, we all know there was a there. We we Joshua and I have talked about it because we were talking about WrestleMania. We had such a great time last year, but I think that was because it was New Orleans. I think it was driving distance. I think it was we had a vehicle. I think it was. The hostel we stayed in, and then all—it was just the full experience. It was super card, meeting new yeah. people, catching up with you guys, all of that stuff. But like this year, we were thinking about it. And I was like, New York, man. I've been to New York. I don't need to go back to New York except if I've got a job. I don't want to go blow a ton of money in one of the most expensive cities in the world. You know, even if we tried to do it on the cheap, we would still be spending. You know, money just be flying out of our out of our mouths. It's just, yeah. yep, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just bad. What are you looking into? No, my my iPad. All of a sudden, I was trying to look up uh, <laughs> a, a Jericho podcast, and it just kept playing. It wouldn't shut up. 
It's you know, but man, I, the I, ads are I, all over. No, it's no, dude. It's it's not the ads. It's oh, okay. the fact that you you can't silence the podcast of Jericho. <laughs> I've got, yeah, this going back to the WrestleMania mm-hmm. thing. If Double or Nothing was in New York when WrestleMania was going to be in New York, would you go? If I was, uh, that, I mean, yeah. At the same at the same time, or like the Saturday before, the way they always do it. Yeah, let's just. I mean, time doesn't really matter. Let's just say, basically, if, yeah. We all chose not to go to WrestleMania. If we had that same choice and we could go to Double or Nothing, would we do it? Double or Nothing, one hundred percent. I would totally uh, go I check. Can, yeah, Double or Nothing. I, I mean, we can watch. We can watch WrestleMania tomorrow before we we get drunk and watch uh, the the best Raw of the year. But I'd want to be something where I actually, you know, when they say that, oh, we're making WWE history. No, you're not. It, you're making it up. Right. Well, oh, we. It's already made it. It's the beginning of a whole new franchise. It's the beginning of a whole new thing. This this is. This is history making. AEW, double or nothing. That's a history making moment. And uh, I mean, whether if it was beyond that, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna go to a wrestling event that lasted. Well, I don't remember how long Supercard was last year, but I remember being like, oh my god, we were in WrestleMania for eight solid hours. It just was so much wrestling that weekend, and sometimes I don't feel like it's ever been over. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I've had so many other things to think about since then. I've had work. I've had new girlfriend. I've had, you know, got stuff with my son. There's been all kinds of things, but I sometime, somehow don't feel like that WrestleMania experience is ever going to be over, you know? And yeah. I, I, it may, maybe it won't ever feel like I've bookended it until I've been to another one, but... I mean, I just don't. I don't want to go to New York <laughs> again. I loved it there, oh, but like Jersey. I say, I don't want to go to see a WrestleMania in New York, Houston, yes, Denver, hell yeah, Chicago, yeah. yeah why not? You know, Chicago, one hundred percent. Chicago, one hundred percent. L.A. Craziest crowd of wrestlers. I would wrestling go to see man. WrestleMania in L.A. In sure. at the drop of a hat, I know how to get around there. I mean, yeah, you can take the train all over the place in New York. I just, I just, it's the expense, and you know, hey, folks, personally, things have not been super good for me uh, monetarily lately. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of my beef. If I was, well, if I'd worked the last three months on a show that was paying into pensions and annuities and healthcare and stuff like that. Because I think by now, anybody who listens to our show knows that I'm in the film industry. I would be like, yeah, let's go. Let's go to WrestleMania. But also, I had to make sure that I was taking time off. I skipped jobs last year to go to WrestleMania. So going to WrestleMania in my circumstances, or going to Supercard, but I would still be going to Double or Nothing in Las Vegas. I mean... I was so mad that they sold the that. opportunity oh, for so that. Hard. Yeah, man. I mean... But it's but I, I, I like your idea because people make a big deal about going to WrestleMania. But when you get to WrestleMania, Josh, how many times have you been to WrestleMania and we're like like halfway through, we're like, oh my god, this is exhausting. I wish I was just home. Yeah, it, it is exhausting. It's such a long show. But like Colin said, the weekend makes it worth it. And oh, for us, I know we all three talked about it after we went 
to WrestleMania, we were all kind of down WWE going, but we're like, oh hey, yeah, fun for it. But it kind of rejuvenated our love for it. Like, what? We, what was there to really be down about other than being than having Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar crammed down our throats as the main event? You know, everything else was awesome. <laughs> I was sad Dean Ambrose wasn't going to be there because he was still on the injury list. Yeah. But I was ready for AJ and Shinsuke. We were all ready to see Ronda Rousey, and look at her now. They, she, her, like the the fan base has flipped on her since then. That was a big deal. I wanted to see Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. Take down the rich guys. I mean, you couldn't believe how much I had invested in that. Just, oh, man, it was a lot. You know, it's it, it's funny you say that because we actually left the second Brock Lesnar came out. Remember, we all took <laughs> yeah. off. We, we, we got a lift in an Uber within one minute. Uh, uh, Sven and uh, his girlfriend, uh, it took them an hour to get a lift when they tried yeah. to leave 15 minutes after we left. And we were already home and happy at, at the hostel getting loaded. You know, maybe it's time we should, like, get people depressed. Like, okay, you can't go to WrestleMania? Big deal. Who cares? Have fun at your house. Oh, show yeah. us your awesome WrestleMania party. Like, show us oh, the wings you made, the special I love it. Also, That's a show great idea. The shirts. Show us all the shirts you're wearing. Show us your playlist of like when, because obviously you're the guy that's hyped up about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, show us your playlist about everything you want everyone to see before they actually have to watch WrestleMania for six or seven hours, and like all the the cool hardcore matches or the the indie stuff. I'm so and, excited uh, for this. This is the part I want a world. I want a global WrestleMania audience to. Share with everybody. You're 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 blowing up right now. That's such a great idea. I, I mean, mean, if if you're gonna pay for the for the network, and let's say you paid ten extra bucks, and Vinnie Mac sent you a cool little flag to put on your wall that you're having an official WrestleMania party, you got twenty people of your favorite people. Half of them probably don't give a shit about wrestling. The other kind of do. You've got three or four hardcore fans there, but you're gonna have a better time than you would at Super Bowl. That any MMA fight, you're gonna have. It's the best show. We we talk about getting tired there, but it's still the best freaking show that there is around. Why yeah. not? Why not just send us a? You know, we all pay ten extra bucks to get a or twenty extra bucks to get a official WrestleMania party flag from Vinnie Mac and oh, that'd be great. And then idea. take a bunch of take a bunch of pictures and and then. You can get drunk at your house. You guys can like you can literally film each other getting into actual fist fights and wrestling matches, destroying your <laughs> your uh, your coffee tables and videotaping it, and that would be even better. I, but I, you know that that's just our idea. The best that, part of the art. the best. What, I mean, there's a lot of great things about what we do, but like you and me giving each other chops on the balcony of that random Bourbon Street bar. I don't even know. Nobody kicked us <laughs> out, but like that was one of the best parts. I don't think I don't I don't even remember being like overly lit or anything. It was just like, no, do me now, do me, woo! And then it was just <laughs> turn it around. People That's... were cheering us on to hit each other as hard as we possibly could. <laughs> the cops saw us and they didn't give a damn. Oh, so they're not. They're not. They're not smoking crack or getting a real fight. So whatever. Yeah, these All guys right. are here and they're helping pay the taxes. This is whatever they want to do, as long as they aren't needing uh, first responders. <laughs> All right, guys. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Um, we've talked about a lot of really good stuff tonight, but 
it's time to move on to the creme de la creme. Uh, it's time to move on to the real wrestling. We've talked about showing some good wrestling matches before we actually show anyone WrestleMania, some indie matches. But I want to talk about my new favorite wrestler. Oh, man. Yeah. All, all our new favorite wrestler. I, um, Josh, what's his name? John Moxley. John Moxley. John Moxley. It's funny. He's been missing for about, I want to say, about 10 years. And all of a sudden, we get this bubbling that John Moxley might be coming back. Uh, there's this guy named Dean Ambrose that everyone loves. And mm-hmm. we've been a little bit sad that he might be leaving WWE. And I, I, I wanted to tell you guys this, that I think I'm knowledgeable about wrestling, but I was absolutely incorrect in my theory because uh, a month ago it was like, no, 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 no. Dean needs, if Dean leaves, he's got to go to New Japan, make himself a new character, and then and then go to AEW. No, I was wrong. No, I was absolutely <laughs> wrong. Josh and Colin, you guys pushed some Moxley videos on me that showed me what a real wrestler is, and... Uh, it's time for the return, and I I don't know how to tell you guys I'm sorry that I had an incorrect theory, but Moxley needs to come back. Uh, Josh, what's your favorite What's your favorite Moxley moment, if you don't mind? Or actually, actually, uh, why don't you catch us up on who Moxley actually is? Yeah, so the way I got into him is I was watching some CZW, which is Combat Zone Wrestling, which I believe is based out of Cleveland, and they've Ohio. got a YouTube channel. And so I was checking it out, and I saw some stuff that I hadn't seen in wrestling since Attitude Era, and really even pre-Attitude Era, but it was happening in, like, 2010 and 2011. And I kept seeing this guy, John Moxley, and I was like, man, this guy's guy's insane. Like, the the bumps (laughs) he was taking, getting a screwdriver, like a electric screwdriver to his forehead, like shattering glass over each other. They're doing like DDTs on top of the fluorescent light bulbs. Yeah. Ooh. Oh my God. The, the big industrial ones too. Call the Obama yeah. administration. Apparently that's a big deal. <laughs> Someone tells me combat zone wrestling probably was a, not a big fan of government agencies. <laughs> <laughs> the EPA was the not sponsored by the EPA. <laughs> No, no. No. So then then you watch his promo skills, and he's got a really weird delivery. I mean, would you guys agree that his he's delivery erratic. is really not like anyone else that you've seen before? But it's no. super effective. It, it's, remember the, vi- the video where he's doing that promo with Sammy Callahan, and Callahan's trying to talk, and Moxley won't stop hitting him. <laughs> like, like, he's he's like fucking stop it man <laughs> and, like, and he's like and he's still just in the zone like like he, he like callahan broke kayfabe and was like stop it <laughs> and he's still just whipping him with the towel just and and uh it was when it was the other night when we were talking about this josh when you sent me that bleacher report where it had all of the uh links to his videos about you know let's check out some good John Moxley stuff, and all I had to see was the word Sammy Callahan, who was one of my yeah. favorite wrestlers on the indie circuit, from uh, Jeremiah Crone from um, Lucha Underground to him being uh, Ohio versus everything in Impact. The guy, he he relishes the pain. Like, just give it to me. 
And he does it in such an artful fashion that it doesn't seem like over the top or like we're, I'm not going to disrespect Uncle Mick, but Uncle Mick just said, I, I, all I got is a high pain tolerance. <laughs> and <laughs> But Sammy can wrestle at the same time. And this guy just wants you to just destroy me. And when you when I saw that, that Sammy and him were part of the, was it the Switchblade Coalition? Switchblade Conspiracy. Yeah. Switchblade yeah. Conspiracy. And I saw all those videos, and then we saw that video with him versus uh, Brain Damage. Holy crap. Yeah. Like, that was literally hard to watch. Like, they, they have the, the lunch, and then they take one bite and start fighting. They've got, like, uh, uh, Moxley got uh, suplexed into the uh, a, a car a car window <laughs> and that was covered it wrapped in barbed wire. And yeah. Oh. Oh. I, I, I just can't wait. Well, and the thing about him is you, you watch and you see that he has so many moves. Like that match that you sent me with Brody Lee or Luke Harper now in WWE. Yeah. That was like a 13-minute match. And if that match were to take place in WWE, first of all, it couldn't because of the things they did to each other. But even if it did and they put all those same spots in, it would be a 35-minute match because – it was 13 minutes of nonstop action. This there was is what no you were talking playing about. around. It didn't matter. Like those guys took bumps and just got back up and got after it, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. I think about look at the difference in this. We're always talking about indie circuit stuff versus WWE, and you know we're getting we got guys that are getting color. For our comics fans that don't know what that means, it's, you know, guys who are bleeding on in the ring, you know, on stage, Get some basically. Get Getting some color. color. And there, this, is a, this is a gimmick. I mean, you go back into the old days, and guys had a razor blade hidden somewhere, and they would cut themselves above the hairline so you couldn't see it, but you've got blood all over them. And you look at some of these John Moxley matches, he's literally covered in blood. It's not all his own. It's his... It's his, <laughs> his uh, opponent slash partner slash buddy whatever you want to say but um i mean yeah this is intense stuff and you think about some of the stuff we've been talking about the moves that they can do in these pretty unrestricted venues these unrestricted uh indie circuits that they can't do professionally because we're talking about like the the the, the fan base we're talking about the the attendance and then you've got family-friendly nature, you can't do some of that stuff. Some of these NXT guys coming in and, like, doing the craziness that they're trying to do, we see Ricochet paired up with uh, Finn Balor. It's like, okay, well, hey, here's a guy that can do the same stuff that he can do. And and in some ways, it's kind of cool and better than that. But these guys are doing all of that stuff all the time in these places because they are unrestricted from it. It's just part of their deal memo. Yeah, that's correct. Um... Josh, uh, one of one of the reasons I was able to be one of your best friends right away was because your knowledge of wrestling, and you weren't just a wrestling. Yeah, watch it every now and then. No, your love of Chris Jericho was astounding. You know, Y2J, <laughs> our hero. Of course. But I want to I want to talk about two people. Actually, three people. The same. I want to talk about Dean Ambrose. I want to talk about. Jonathan Good, and I want to talk about John Moxley. Jonathan Good was a tape trader. 
he was a petty criminal. Probably didn't graduate from high school. I'm fairly certain he didn't. The only thing that, all that stuff. Uh, the, the, the only thing that really got him going was wrestling. That's what saved him. Uh, we've both watched, all three of us have watched the uh, that long shoot interview from um, Smart Mark yeah. uh, video. And he's just shooting, man. Like, I, I, it inspired me. The guy came from literally nothing. And he's talking about, like, yeah, I got kind of got along with my mom because, you know, she found God and became a Christian lesbian and an alcoholic and we both like chicks and, and, and booze. And, you know, he's trading tapes. And when he shows up at his first place that trained him, 16 years old, pretending he's 18 and reminding me of Captain America trying to get, you know, into the army. He, <laughs> yeah. he reminds you, he, he reminds you of a guy that is just desperate to be who he wants to be, even though he's not big enough or old enough, or he doesn't care about the restrictions, and that was absolutely inspiring to me. I do not want to come off as someone that thinks that he knows what Jonathan Good or who he is, because I think there's probably only one person in the entire universe who knows who Jonathan Good is, and that is uh, Renee. We can, yeah, we hope. And uh, but the guy succeeded. He did everything he could, and. He's talking about getting his regular jerk-off job, working at the gym, banging chicks there, making $1,500 a week, and then trying to avoid wrestling. And that really hit me right in the gonads there because the last, like, five months, like, you know, I had a bad breakup, and it kind of put me off wrestling because that's what we used to do. And I just couldn't avoid it. I could not. It was always hounding at me, and it was hounding at him. You, You can't ignore your destiny. And it was pulling yeah. at him and pulling at him and pulling at him. And finally, they – Josh, am I, am I correct? It was finally was when they finally booked him in CZW that he he developed his character when he was no longer just a reg, regular wrestler, when he developed who John Moxley was. And that was like I think 2008, 2009, right? Yeah, that's, that's where he really got his – he, he got a lot of freedom in Combat Zone, and then he also had basically the same character in Dragon Gate USA, which is another pretty hardcore promotion, and he, he was incredible in both of them. So we've seen matches from both. What do you what do you hope for Mr. Moxley if he does show up in AEW or anywhere else whatsoever as Moxley? So I read an interesting article that... WWE does this, but his contract is up literally like the day after WrestleMania ends is over. And so there is some speculation because he was one of the more high profile wrestlers. He got some some clauses removed from his contract. Right. Other wrestlers did not have. So there's a lot of talk that he does not have a non-compete clause in his contract. And so there's a belief that he could actually show up at AEW's Double or Nothing and be a surprise appearance. Wow. Wow. That's too wow. Now, they do think WWE is trying to negotiate with them to, you know, maybe pay him a little bit of money to give him like a 90-day non-compete just so he can't show up there at their big marquee event. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that too. That they could, they could possibly extend his contract because of the time that he took off when he was hurt when he tore yeah. the rotator cuff. That's what they were. Um, oh man, Brian. 
Man. I, I, I would like to theorize about this. If I, I, I literally had a dream about it the other day because we were watching these John Moxley videos. I fell asleep, and in my mind I was talking with the Bucks and Cody and Kenny, and they're like, well, who should show up? And I'm trying to push Moxley. and like, well, if you were going to write it, how would you write it? And I'm like, well, first off, I'm, I'm worried that he's going to be the artist formerly known as Dean Ambrose showing up. And we have to show off the fact that he is John Moxley. He's always been John Moxley. And mm-hmm. after we watched all these videos, we've realized his true capability that we've actually been cheated. The WWE has literally cheated us of what Dean Ambrose really can do. Yeah, he's the lunatic fringe, but like when he says he hates hokey shit, of course he hated that Mitch the Plant thing, and he, he probably yeah. wanted to do that the second they wanted him to fight Nia Jax at a house show. I don't think so. It's that's too <laughs> hokey, and they're they're depriving us of us of John Moxley. If I was going to write it, I would write it that he's not invited. I would I would write it that we don't want him and don't need him. I would have Chris Jericho, you know, Y two J, our hero. Uh, <laughs> I would have him make a big deal. I know, never. (laughs) I I would have him write it that we don't need him and we don't want you. And that would cue the awesomeness that during Double or Nothing, every single superstar behind the scenes is being viciously brutalized and attacked out of nowhere by some dude with the word Mox, like just spray painted on the back of his shirt. (laughs) That'd be fun. And, And lead it to a lumberjack match. If, if if you're that hardcore and you're really John Moxley, let's do a lumberjack match between you and Cody and literally the entire AEW staff ready. To, I like it. I like don't, it. Don't, don't get too close. If you want to prove yourself, you have to get yourself beat into AEW, Mr. WWE. That's not a bad plan. I mean, who owns the name when you've got all of these shirts and you've got all this merchandise, these action figures, and all of this stuff that pertains to Dean Ambrose, it, that's not his name. It's, it's, I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, can, Kenny Omega can leave New Japan and go to AEW. Cody the American Nightmare can leave and go to AEW, you know, because whatever. But, like, can is, is Dean Ambrose going to be dead if... John er, Moxley shows up there. Is that it? Unless he goes back to WWE for a while. Sometime years from now. He doesn't need it. It's not that. It's a question of Uh, of the legality of maintaining the name. There's an interesting story about the Dudley Boys in that. Mm-hmm. And so the Dudley boys had their name in ECW, right? Yeah. Right, right. And they came to WWE and had their same name. Well, WWE trademarked the Dudley boys and filed for a, a copyright on it, and they got it. And so when the Dudley boys left to go to TNA, that's why they had to become what they be, you know, Bully Ray instead of Bubba Ray. And what, what okay, did sure. I forget. But that's why they that's why they had to switch. And so the Dudley Boys were fairly active in telling wrestlers to patent their own name before they went to WWE. Perfectly logical. Mm-hmm. Perfectly logical. Remember, AJ is one of the few people that actually got to come into the WWE still carrying his trademark name, the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. Same thing with uh, Ricochet. I was 
completely blown away. They let Ricochet keep his name. And uh, Shinsuke. Shinsuke, the same same thing. Uh, not Gallows and Anderson because both of them were in. Josh, both of them were in the WWE, right? I know Luke for sure. Yeah, it was like Festus. Festus. Like Evil Kane or something. Yeah. But wow, what a good what a good point, man. I mean, just keep your name. I mean, when can oh, we see Prince just... Devitt do Prince Devitt stuff again? We, you no. know, we're talking about it. We're looking, you know, yeah, you said it. We're being cheated out of, we, we're getting the PG-13 version of John Moxley when we're getting Dean Ambrose. And right. he's, he's, he's the lunatic fringe, whether or not that's trademarked, in whether, you know, whatever brand he's on. Because when you look at some of those matches... If he could get away with using a, a battery-powered reciprocating saw on his own face, <laughs> if he could get away with a barbed wire-covered baseball bat, uh, you know, or jumping into barbed wire and all of that stuff somewhere, that's his character. It's just like I, you I, talk I, about, turn it up to 11, turn yourself up to 11, and that's who your character is going to be. But because right. what that one match we watched on uh, it's on YouTube, folks, and it is uh, it is an outdoor match. His intro, walking into the place, you see him being more lunatic fringe than you've ever seen him be at a WWE event, even at the earliest days of the Shield when it's all. Justice this and justice that and the hair, the bangs down the face and yeah, all yeah. of that stuff. The guy you know, uh, owns that yeah. concept. Right, but at the same time, though, you need to think of that. We're not think about it, thinking about it high enough. Right now, we're comparing him to the people that went to WWE and then had to get stifled and have a script in their hand. We've My, my retort on this is that we've seen Seth Rollins pre-Seth Rollins. We've seen Tyler Black in Ring yeah. of Honor. But he's still Seth Rollins. There's there's no difference. He's still the same dude. But when we talk about John Moxley, there's they had to turn him yeah. he had to turn him down. They basically just renamed Tyler Black to Seth Rollins and then just had him keep doing what he's doing. They had to calm this crazy asshole down. That traded tapes that that traded tapes that worship wrestling, that hated his parents, that was getting into criminal crimes, like all, all all that sort of thing. Like wrestling was his escape. Yeah, and they had they had to turn him down. And AEW needs to just like, uh... God, man, like remember that you that shooter he was talking about? He's going to Puerto Rico doing all this blow. He's <laughs> He's losing weight. He's losing faith in himself. He's banging chicks. He's making money on the side. He's losing it. He's sleeping on floors and couches, and he doesn't know what he wants to do. But the but inside is John Moxley. Jonathan See, Good knew that John Moxley was inside, and it's time for him to get let let loose. It's he's, not, he's got millions you, of dollars now. They got to be careful with that though, because he's not any younger than he was. It's it freaks me out that most of these wrestlers are younger than I am, because uh, it's just weird. I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life, and I look at these guys, and I'm like, but they're tearing themselves up. You know, when you think that John Cena is 40, 
Plus, I mean, yeah, he's fu- he's phasing himself out so that he can go do other high-paying stuff and make a whole life out of himself. These guy, this guy, though, I mean, he's not getting any younger. And can he do the same crazy crap that he did before? I bet he and can do better. Go, Josh? Well, I mean, he might, but go in and look at, like, the, one of the, uh, there was an interview back when they were, when uh, he and Seth were having their famous feud initially, and uh, they're sitting there talking to one another, like, yeah, we're reminiscing about our old match, and yeah, I'm an opportunist back then, I got the blonde streak, and then it's like, yeah, I thought it'd be a really good idea to climb up all over this place, and they're just like, no, keep it, this is crazy. This stuff is crazy. You're asking for him to be nuts. You're asking for him to be Michael Keaton circa 1985, you know? Perfect analogy. But, like, that's, he might be beyond that now. He might be like, no, I can play the character, but I don't have to, uh, you know, roll down a concertina wire strung thing and, like, rip myself up and stuff like that. Right. Because this is a money-making business. You don't have to prove yourself in those dirty fight clubs in Cincinnati or wherever you are when you can... You can go and you can find what you want to be. You know, if you're going to get forced to do the hokey stuff, I, I can get, I can see you getting tired of that. But like, he can go and he can work with these unbelievable professionals. And yeah, you're going to get color now and again, like you see okay. happen in those Japan Japan fights. But like, you don't see much of that in the WWE. I don't think he has to go and be self-destructive. We don't need to see this guy who is on a, a fast lane trip down to the bottom of the barrel again. You know? He is. All, he already has the star power. And he can go back as John Moxley. He could create a completely new character. Did you, right. Could, you well, I hope, I hope he does something creative just in general, but I think John Moxley does need to show up. However, I think he does need to take a page from all of our book that all three of us have written – when we walk into a room and we know what we're doing, all we have to do is literally unzip our pants and pull our dicks out, and everyone knows, oh, okay, we'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the, that's the whole reason all three of us are on the phone right now, because all of us, well, we dominate. Captain euphemism. It's not. It's 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 not a euphemism. It's a fucking fact, man. Like, there's never been anyone that's ever been that's. Josh, come on, man. <laughs> I'm I'm right with you. They just uh, like there's been times where people just said, "You guys go ahead and walk in before us." Dude, our families yeah. are afraid of us hanging out together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's true, man. My sister is like my sister is only okay with uh, Josh and I hanging out as long as there's a woman there to make sure one of us is trying to be behaved. <laughs> <laughs> actually discouraged our friendship. That's how insane things got. That's funny. <laughs> I didn't get the impression uh, that that was the case when I saw you in in Tulsa, uh, OKC, or in uh, New Orleans. So, uh, yeah, your wife must there be were... <laughs> reining it in. Dude, I dude, uh, her his wife XTN. Her name his her name's Christine, but her actual <laughs> name is is XTN. She terrifies me. <laughs> she literally terrifies me. If she was the woman that tamed Josh, 
uh, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, sir, yes, ma'am. And uh, 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 would you like me to get you? Are you cold? Are you hot? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Guys, this has been uh, enlightening. Um, your your insights to New Japan, Moxley, WWE. Uh, I do want to wrap up one final thing because we have one little thing on our agenda that is WB, uh, you know, agenda. Yeah. Kofi. Kofi, oh, Josh. Kofi. Josh, let's yeah. hear it. I'm glad Kofi's finally getting his due a bit. He's, yeah, we were actually going back, my wife and I are watching some of the old Royal Rumbles, and we were watching Kofi's antics, and he was doing crazy shit back in like 2010 in the Royal Rumble. And, of course, he was Jamaican back then, but <laughs> but uh, you just see him, and you realize that this guy has put up with some really, really shitty gimmicks for 10 right. years. Right. And he finally found one that somehow works, not in the way WWE originally intended for it to work when they were walking out as church boys. But this works. I think there's a lot of respect for him. And I think a big part of that is because... Xavier Woods has actually done a really good job of promoting Kofi on his personal social media. All right, cool. Down, down is up, up, down, down is great, dude. That like they his uh, for our listeners, if you guys don't know this, the WB hates any sort of inter uh, company sort of uh, interaction, but they actually let Xavier do a Street Fighter contest as the New Day versus the Elite with Kenny Omega <laughs> and the Bucks. That was big time news, and uh, Xavier is a great promoter. And Josh is absolutely correct, especially when he's talking about uh, how good and underrated Kofi is. But uh, tell tell us a little bit more about uh, Xavier and the New Day, Josh. Uh, your opinion on this has always been a big like uh, highlight on my day. Yeah, so when they first came up. I absolutely could not stand them. I thought it was one of the worst and honestly most racist gimmicks that WWE's come up with in years. When they we told hated them. <laughs> we hated them. Yeah, they were terrible. They were terrible. They were these like black choir boys that came out in these gospel robes and sang. And they were supposed to be like the ultimate good guys and they would save people. And they got booed mercilessly. Clearly, we were not the only people <laughs> that hated them. So, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, oh, yeah. they didn't really lose the church boy gimmick, but they started doing heel things. And, <laughs> and they were actually like pretty good at it. Like Xavier Woods, he may not be a great wrestler. He's okay, but he's not a great wrestler. But he is hysterical in the ring and outside the ring. <laughs> and to the point when now... Chris- <laughs> when no, Chris Jericho no. broke his trombone, and he's like, Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I remember SmackDown came to Tulsa, and I, I don't think this was the one we were at together. I think it was a different one. But Xavier Woods was – he was on the side of the ring, and Kofi and Big E were wrestling in a match. And some little kid in the audience called him a baby. spent <laughs> <laughs> the next five minutes – Running around the ring yelling, I'm not a baby. I can't believe who told you that. I'm not a baby. <laughs> and throwing his trombone in the air. It was great. It was great. And so, like, he really got the crowd into the match. I gained a lot of respect for him seeing him live. 
And I'm glad that their gimmick has kind of worked. I remember the actually the SmackDown you and I were at is when yeah. we decided we could no longer hate them anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had to we had to literally admit to each other like like uh, it was it was exactly similar the way that people come out as gay to their family when we looked at each other. <laughs> I'm a New Day fan. <laughs> like when I turned to you and told you, I was like, I really kind of want to cheer for these guys. I fully expect you to punch me in the face. <laughs> no, I, I want to cheer for them too. I was like, all right, we're going to cheer for the New Day now. So pretty much ever since then, we've, we've been New Day Marks. and uh, <laughs> Total New Day Marks. Do they go over the top sometimes? Kid? Sure. But they've been the best thing for Kofi's career. They, they've got him the respect he has deserved for years. Uh, I, I want him to have a better gimmick than being part of the New Day and having a I got thrown out of the Royal Rumble and somehow f- figure out a magical way to not get disqualified. Oh, dude, it does, uh, that is funny. Every time they pull that stuff, it's it it takes well, you completely out of the credibility that they are maybe trying to you know shoot shoot to us. Or well, it takes you out of the reality of it if there is anything to be had. But uh, oh man, yeah, that stuff is funny. That's Josh's point, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's funny, but Kofi's better than the haha. He's yeah. better than the uh, he's better than the the Gonzo porn where they're looking straight in the camera. No, the guy is skilled, and that's what Josh is trying to make the point of is that that man. Like in my in my in my imagination, and Josh, I need you to like chime in on this and interrupt me if I'm saying something stupid. I think they accidentally found out that Kofi was a good wrestler and got him over on a SmackDown and then it happened on Elimination Chamber and uh, Colin, this is something uh, you you brought up earlier when we were talking about comic books. When you were talking about Jack Kirby comic books, about Mm -hmm. how Jack Kirby would showcase the crowd showcase the crowd like, oh my god, like looking at Spider-Man do these amazing things. And that match would not have been nearly as good if literally 99.9% of the people in the building, except the people in the bathroom, didn't realize what they were missing. Yeah. We're chatting, we're chatting Kofi. Yeah, Kofi. That was, it was and, huge. It went, as soon as they started doing those backstage promos on uh, SmackDown this week, you could hear that place through the wall, going berserk. And you can hear the crowd get excited when when Seth is back there being interviewed, or a lot of guys, a lot of guys. But, like, that place went berserk for Kofi. And, uh, and when you know, when uh, Big E started with the, uh, the intro to the New Day as they do, Don't you dare be sour. Oh, man. Flap. For your five time, real good. <laughs> it was it was great to see that because you know you just don't usually see that. But um, well, that yeah, the crowd was a big point. deal. That kind of brings up another point for me. And you, you guys, and I, we all watch a lot of wrestling. And right, would you agree that there is no crowd that wants to hijack the match more than WWE? Oh, oh that, that is a really good it. point. How can like, I mean no seriously? I don't understand. I mean, if I was if I was Vince and I'm up in the booth and you know he's there, or if there's anybody else who gets to control it at all, hey, the crowd want to see this guy win. Somehow they've got to get that message through the ref or something to the guys. I know we uh, said that uh, you were going to win tonight, but you're going to lose now. 
You know, yeah. I mean, switch it up for the fans every once in a while. You know, they know it's over. Or they, not that it's over, but they know that it gets over with the crowd. And if the crowd wants something, they're going to buy those shirts. So right? get those things out within 24 hours. I saw Kofi but win, you know. I saw we, Finn get that championship finally. I mean, We I saw Kofi. I'm sorry, uh, Josh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No problem. I I agree. I think WWE should listen to the crowd more. But my further point was that when you watch New Japan, which may not be the best example because it's a different culture, but when you watch uh, Ring of Honor or even TNA or or these other shows, 95% of the time, the fans kind of do what they're supposed to do. Right. just not a group of rogue fans that wants to chant CM Punk or do whatever. But in WWE, they don't listen to the fans. And so to me, it makes it all the more impressive when someone like New Day can get the response for years that the WWE actually wants them to get. Ever since they let them turn heel and then kind of slowly turn them face, they've right. always got the reaction. And it's not because they have good gimmicks. It's because they're talented performers. Oh, yeah. They're very uh, – those guys, yeah. They're full of they're, – they're skilled. They're talented. I'm still a little confused about the Elimination Chamber match. I think that someone finally showed Vince that the match that happened on SmackDown a couple of days before Elimination Chamber went down as amazing. And he's like, okay, just we don't know what to do. We haven't ridden it yet. Just let him fight. The, the match that Daniel had with Kofi was, com- in my opinion, completely unscripted. I think that was completely called in-ring and they were given the the very rare opportunity to call it in ring and have a lot of fun and beat the living dog shit out of each other. Right. And Wait, even though, you, oh, I'm sorry, are you saying you think that somebody said if you don't win it tonight, you'll win it on SmackDown? No, no, I, I think that they accidentally got Kofi over and then couldn't not run with it because they're doing they're desperate and they're doing everything they can. Mm. And Kofi put on a five star. Oh, I'm actually not a five star. I'm gonna say like <laughs> a three star if we're yeah, talking about Melcher type rules, <laughs> um, type Melcher rules. But it was amazing, and they didn't know what to do, and they didn't have time to actually write what they were what Daniel and and Kofi were gonna do. And they let them have an actual unscripted call it in the match ring, other than the fact that they both knew that Daniel was going to win, and okay. that's why that's, it was okay. so exciting. That's interesting. That's why it was. That's why it was so exciting because okay, this has to happen. We got to put Kofi over. Everyone wants it. It's going. It's building. You could see the ref whispering things to them during the actual match. And I'm surprised that the match didn't go longer, considering the fact that, like, Josh, like, uh, it, it ended at, like, at, like, nine, right? Even though they usually end, like, yeah. at ten. Like, yeah. they could have let them go on, and they actually gave the time for the New Day to go out there and let everyone worship Kofi the way they absolutely had to. Mm. People that hated the New Day that night realized that wrestling, when at when it's at its best... Well, I think that's a good point. That's a good point. And the one thing I'll add to that is that those two guys, Kofi and Daniel Bryan, they're good enough professionals that you could probably trust them to do that. Right. Even if it was a little bit more scripted, they're both good enough that it didn't look like it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not at all. Yeah, you're right. Not at all. 
completely. I, I, I just hadn't even thought about it the way you're talking about it. This is this is yeah. It just I got bowled over by the the romanticism of it more than anything else. I wasn't thinking about the technicality. Yeah, that's fascinating. Once you guys finally get rid of all of these other guys, go to town however you want to, knowing what's going to happen ultimately. I was really, really praying something. I mean, I, I believed in the danger of them being up on top of the pod. I believed in the, the danger of that glass breaking. I couldn't believe that glass didn't break. I know that it's not glass. But I'm, sta- I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this could be really, really bad. I don't want to see these guys get hurt legitimately. I don't want to see Daniel right. Bryan get hurt. I don't want to see Kofi get hurt in such a way as to make it impossible for him to try again later. You know, I don't want him to get DQ'd on a major injury. I don't want to see that X over his chest. You know what I mean? Oh and, God! Oh uh, God! That I was, always makes me like, oh, I hate that X, man. It, like it's worse than it's worse than finding out you got detention or your mom died. Like you see that X and you're like, oh no, please God, no, no. <laughs> Dude, I was cringing when they were trying to suplex each other off the top of the cage. Oh, man. Oh, God. I oh, couldn't God. believe they were going there, and then we didn't get that payoff, too. Because even if they botched it and they both collapsed, I could have bought that a little bit more than what they did do. Uh, it just, you know, they didn't go for it, really. They just set it up to get us. Yeah. Mm. Well, credit to the performers, because that kind of stuff, I mean, it didn't... It made it a better match. It didn't yeah. stick with us as a negative. Guys, this this literally writes itself. If like obviously we're here talking as writers. That's why we we decided to do this podcast because we're writers and we we're smart marks and whatever you want to call us. But it's it writes itself. If I was a WWE writer, I'm going to put the strap on Kofi at Mania, and it's not going to be the New Day being oh, five no. time. Yeah. The five-time tag team champs, they got to put the belts on both of – all three of them. They got to make sure that the Usos who want to get fired, you know, screw them, let them go. Yeah. Put, the, put, put the belts on, on Kofi and – I'm sorry, uh, Xavier and Big E and have Kofi have the world heavyweight championship That'd at the same nuts. time. Wow. If the New Day – Just like – Yeah. What, Just like they did with the Shield, Josh. Josh, remember when the Shield, yeah, uh, tag team and oh, and it wasn't awesome. even the heavyweight championship. It was Dean had the USA yeah. uh, championship and they had the copper the copperheads, and that was amazing because they'd come out through the crowd. They had their special introduction, just like the New Day, mm. and all of them were were title holders, and they had the gravitas. They had the ganas. Personally, I think Bo Dallas should be the new day. Bo Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are that is that is a genius move. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, where did you pull that out? <laughs> that is he likes awesome. the pancakes, man. That's the best idea I've heard in years. Bo this is why I have Josh rules. In, in, it was actually <laughs> hilarious. And uh, I would I would watch that again. Bo Dallas back in the new day. Yeah, yeah, I I would be (laughs) hell. I'd even be happy with Heath Slater just begging to be in the new day. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because <laughs> he's got kids. He needs this. He needs this title. I need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Dallas. Well, let's uh, guys, this let's is... take a second and uh, you know, hey, we don't, you know, spoilers abound. Hey, you know, Kofi got Kofi defeated uh, Daniel at the uh, at Smack on SmackDown the other night. He's wearing the strap. That's awesome. Okay. And we'll see how long that lasts. But um, we got to, I guess, you know, let's, this has been awesome. I just want to say I, I'm super excited to hear on Monday night if Roman Reigns is healthy or just what the Oh, my God, is. yeah. Josh, did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I just, um, I, I got nothing but love for the guy. I know that, you know, hey, even if we're going to walk out of the end of the show because they're jamming him down our throats, that doesn't mean I don't like him. That doesn't mean I don't love him. That just means I don't want to watch that match. Because, you know, Nicholas and Braun Strowman was kind of... <laughs> I, was, I was like, all right, yeah, this is this is awesome. That that felt for real, you know? But uh, I, I, I think I can read your mind. What you're saying is, is that Vince is so scared of AEW, he paid $8 billion to cure Roman Reigns' uh, leukemia so the Shield could come out. Before Dean would leave. Well, it's, not, it's not like cash infusions healing AIDS or HIV in South Park. But, um, uh, yeah. If, I was about to say that happened in South Park. If, uh, if, Vince, if Vince wants, man, dude, I'd, as much as they push Roman, I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't already dumped all the money in the world into to curing him to make him the new face of of the franchise, uh, it's just a question of whether or not anybody's ever going to accept that. You know, I would agree with you if the fact that Nia Jax is still two hundred and eighty five pounds. Because if I was Vinnie Mac, I'd I'd pay for some liposuction for that awful, awful, fat, disgusting woman. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't understand how you can be a professional wrestler and not lose a pound. <laughs> Especially with She's all that, you know, you're traveling. I, I don't even know. You're not flying anywhere, so you're in a car all the time. I don't want to. I don't. I'm not going to diss Naya, though. I mean, I just. I am. I am. <laughs> she's literally. She's literally the. She's literally the eight pounds of monkey crap stuffed into a four pound bag that her quote unquote cousin, The Rock, would always talk about. I just don't <laughs> think that's the right body positive image spokesperson like I, I this doesn't make sense to me that that's a there are plenty of naturally bigger people in wwe that have mm-hmm. taken care of themselves and they're still a little bit bigger they're not ripped like finn balor or anything but, but they, they look fine wrestling. they're just like naturally bigger guys and girls like why don't use one of them yeah, uh, the, next, the next time we do this we gotta and i'm not talking about now i want us to think about this which we gotta go down a list which guys are authentically healthy and which guys are all roids? Uh, it would be one person, uh, what's his name, EC3? <laughs> <laughs> EC3. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not buying that guy either. I am no. so sick of Dean getting beat by lame guys in less than five minutes lately. You know, he got beat by EC3. He got beat by Drew Ooh. McIntyre. Sorry, are you talking about John Moxley? I'm talking about Dean right now. 
We'll see. Yeah, John Moxley, just, he wouldn't let that shit happen. No, he would not. I John just, Moxley would not let it. Yeah, he would just keep going and going and going. This That, that match would last 57 minutes, and uh, there would be blood and teeth everywhere, clumps of hair. <laughs> um, the guy you would, be, Moxley the guy would take a toothpick out of the concession stand to get the blood out from under his nails. Uh, and. He's always got to have change in his pocket. I just know that if Moxley was around, it's like, hey, then we get a quarter. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Moxley's, just him take Moxley's out and be quarter. like, I got a roll of pennies right here, boom, and just pummel on somebody. He should br- he should bring props in. Yeah. All right, dudes. All right. Yeah. Well, this is this has been this has been the Josh and Colin connection, guys. <laughs> I really hope you subscribers have enjoyed us. Because we tried to cover all our bases. We want to make sure if you watch New Japan, Ring of Honor, you want to watch uh, um, NWA, you want to watch any local anything because I know i got to make sure I go to Colorado Springs Wrestling uh, pretty soon. You guys got to go to Crossroads Mall and watch these guys destroy <laughs> each other. I know um, there's something we, going on in Tulsa, man. We should go to one of those shows. I saw an ad for that. Uh, and yeah, there's something going on over here in Guthrie. There's a lot of... You know, backyard wrestling going on in fairgrounds, you know, like sheep, <laughs> sheep friends. I got to check that out, man. Well, guys, uh, thank you for the first episode where we talked about some good wrestling with Colin, Josh, and Josh. Yeah, this is, uh, this, Josh, let's, let's call it Josh like, is, this is, call, this is phoning it in. <laughs> this is what this we, is we our, sec, our segment called phoning it in with the minefields. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we... It's hard Josh, to let go. It's hard to let go. This is so much fun. We're going to I'll leave everybody with a warning in true Josh fashion. If you don't recruit at least one new subscriber, we're going to send John Moxley to your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet he'd sign some stuff. <laughs> oh, he'd definitely yeah, die. He'd sign some stuff with your own blood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, guys, let us know how we we're, did with we're this. Over, we're we got. I mean, clearly we can't shut up. So, <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're over now, guys. Colin, go ahead and get that stop on that recorder that we spent a lot of money on. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. All right, folks. Uh, we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Oh, Bye. Josh rules. <laughs> oh, Josh rules. So I hear. Cut. <laughs>